you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Hi. Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, we're coming here with another great podcast. We certainly appreciate you coming by the show today and visiting with us. Yeah, I know you had that long drive over to the radio box there. The radio box? What era are we living in, Chris? It's a podcast. We just picked up our cell phone. What's the beauty of that? You got to love it. So you know what you should do with that cell phone? You should tell your friends, neighbors, relatives, dogs, cats, everyone. You Get them listening to the Chris Foss Show. Tell them, have you found the light in your life, the Chris Foss Show, the people who don't judge you, but they're like your family? Anyway, guys, go to iTunes and all the different places. We're syndicated all over, like many different places, Pandora, Deezer, you name it. You can find us. We're even on Amazon and audible so if you like listening to audible books the chris foss show is over there it's like really official and stuff on the amazon their channel also go to all of our stuff on goodreads.com for slash chris foss see all of our different groups on facebook linkedin twitter instagram tiktok it's all over the place where all the kids are at they like to say these days anyway today we're going to be interviewing a most brilliant author and uh, mind he's going to be uh, wonderful to talk to he is the author of the book Crisis Averted, PR Strategies to Protect Your Reputation and the Bottom Line. This just barely came out July 27, 2021. You can order it up where refined books are sold. His name is Evan Neerman, and he's going to be on the show to talk to us about his book, his experience, and his knowledge, and impart that to us. He is the founder and CEO of Red Banyan, which provides strategic communications counsel, crisis management, and media training to senior business leaders, government office officials, and private individuals. Evan and his team advise and represent corporations and nonprofit organizations across a wide range of industries, offering guiding them through high-stakes complex situations and conceptualizing and executing executive communications campaigns. He is a regular contributor to various top publications, including Entrepreneur, Fast Company, and Forbes, and the author of the new book, as we mentioned, Crisis Averted. Welcome to the show. How are you, Evan? Chris, I am fantastic. I'm super excited to be with you today. Thanks for having me on. And we're super excited to have you. I'm jealous of your background, man. Look at that background. It's really cool. Those of you who are listening on the podcast, go go watch the YouTube videos. He looks like he's in on an anchor desk almost. He's got the whole you know, world CNN, NPR thing going on in the background. That's awesome. It says, in fact, Red Banyan Global Impact. And so it has this oh. montage, a map of the world, and then it has the outlets from all across the world, a bunch of the outlets that we're in touch with. So that was the idea behind it. That is awesome, man. That is awesome. It really looks official. I, I feel jealous. Maybe I should, we should get something like that in the background. Note to self, engineers. Anyway. <laughs> hey, you, Welcome. You, you, you can hire our graphic designer. She can okay, come to you your go. studio and, and do it for you. I don't know how she did it, but she, it looks amazing. Uh, so I'm glad we have it. But maybe we'll do one for you as well. There you we'll go. See how the, I, we'll see how the interview goes first. <laughs> 
And then we have his book in the background. So give us your plugs, Evan, where people can find you on the interwebs and get to know you better. Yeah, you can find me at evannearman.com, I-4-E except after C on Nearman. You can check us out at redbanyan.com. And we're on a variety of social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok even, cross generations. What can I say? You got to go where the kids are. That's what we always say around here. Give us some of your background, your history, what got you into this field. Tell us a little bit about yourself, if you would. Sure. So I'm one of those weird creatures who actually studied the thing that they're now working in. So unlike most of my team members who, (laughs) who came to PR later in their careers, they were either journalists who decided to cross over to the proverbial dark side, or they were business people who had nothing to do with communications, but now they're doing it. I studied communications. I was interested in communications. That was all I really ever saw myself doing. I went to school at uh, George Washington University in Washington, D.C. So being in D.C. was a great place to kick off both my education and then my career because it put me at the crossroads of politics and policy and communications. And that's what my business does. So it makes sense. Washington, it's all about that PR. But that's really good, though. I studied ballet, and now I'm a podcaster, so I don't know how that worked out. But what? how long ago did you guys start a Red Banyan, and what made you want to do it? Yeah, so the, the business was started about 10 and a half years ago. I've been doing this kind of work for the past, dare I say, nearly quarter century. Don't let the youthful looks fool you. I'm much older than I appear. 25 years doing communications, but 10 and a half, 11 years doing it in the context of Red Banyan. And Mm -hmm. the reason I started the firm was one, I had seen the power of communications done. I'd seen good organizations that found themselves in bad situations and worked with crisis communications consultants who really came in and helped them protect themselves and ensure that they were able to quickly deal with the situation and then move past it. So I was very interested in getting into crisis PR as a subset of communications. And I wanted to have a business where I got to decide who are the clients we work with, who are the ones we choose not to work with, I was looking also for a certain culture and a mindset, which I couldn't find in any of the other agencies that I was looking at. And I thought, if it doesn't exist, then I need to create it. And so if I start my own business, I start my own firm specializing in high stakes and crisis PR, I get to pick and choose the clients. We get to focus where we want to focus. And I get to surround myself with men and women who reflect my values and the ethos of the company. And so I'm very grateful and appreciative. It's been 11 years. We're well out of that startup phase. We're an established business. We're starting to really come into our own in terms of being recognized on a national and a global scale for the quality of our work and just the talent of my colleagues. And it's been really the most rewarding experience for more rewarding than pretty much everything with the exception of getting married and having kids. And I got to put that in there just in case my wife happens to come across this. And uh, <laughs> I want to make sure I'm covered. You, you should always strive to create peace and understanding and excellent communication in your home, not just in your business. So, yeah. Family's everything. For those who are the layman in the industry, what is crisis PR? 
It's a great question. So crisis PR is a subset of communications or PR. Let me put it to you this way. This will maybe help you understand the difference between general PR and crisis PR. Most of the time, if you're talking about general PR, the goal is get me in the media. And if you're engaging the services of a crisis PR firm, it's get me the hell out of the media and do it now. So that's broad strokes way of looking at it. Does that illustrate it perhaps? Yeah, that's a perfect analogy. That just makes me laugh. <laughs> get me the hell out of the media. You said all the time in the press, it's individuals, it's corporations, nonprofits. It doesn't matter what industry we're talking about. You have good companies that find themselves in challenging or complex situations, and they're either getting bad press or there's a narrative out there that describes them in a certain way, and it's not the way that is factual, and it's not the narrative or the storyline that they want. So they'll engage the services of a firm like Red Banyan or another crisis PR firm for us to come in and really help them deal with a high-stakes situation where there's really no room for mistakes and to yeah. step in and guide them through the tumult that comes with being in a crisis situation. I've seen a few friends and companies that have had to hire firms like yours and the, and sometimes they decided to not listen to the PR advice that they were given from their crisis agent. And they're like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to wing it and do my own. And that just makes it worse. It's like throwing uh, water on a grease fire. It goes next level. And I've seen that where you're just like, yeah, I don't think you should not be listening to the crisis PR guy because you're, that's what you're, I'll see, hey, we're going to put this out. And I'm like, I don't know that's a good idea. And I'm not a crisis PR agent. I just, I think you're going to turn that next level. And it, it goes next level. And they're like, and what's funny is it lives in infamy. I've had right. a few friends that when they did the, I'm not going to listen to them and I'm just going to do my own thing and try and fix it. It people will remember that they went next level and they, and instead of like just shutting up and shutting down or listening to their PR agent, they just went full grease fire and uh, people remember that they went the next level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, like, like you said, in the age yeah. of the internet, it, it lasts forever. And with, yeah. with PR consultants or really any consultants, if they're worth their salt, then they're getting paid to give you really good advice based yeah. on their expertise. And at the end of the day, I view our role as providing that advice and that guidance. Now, it's our job to supply that to the client, not to enforce it or make sure that he or she heeds that advice. I would say for the vast majority of the time, thankfully, our clients do listen to us and they're able to recognize they're a little out of their comfort zone. We have an expertise in this area. We've been through it time and time again. We've guided literally dozens and dozens of companies of various sizes through it. So we know what to expect. We know how to navigate it. And the other thing to keep in mind is when you're in a crisis, it is a deeply personal experience because you're either being impugned, you personally or the business that you've created. And for business owners who are out there, they understand when you create a company, you create a business, you pour your heart and soul into it. And when you find that being attacked or treated unfairly, it is a deeply personal experience. And being in that high pressure cooker makes it very hard sometimes to divorce the emotion from mm -hmm. the rationale 
and having a dispassionate third party, someone who at the same time they can understand what you're going through, can say, listen, from an outsider's perspective, from someone who deals with crises on a day-to-day basis, here's some best practices, here's what I recommend, here's how I'm going to help you. And like you said, at the end of the day, people are going to make their decision as to whether they heed the advice or not. But I view our role at Red Banyan is to make sure that we supply it and to have really the courage to tell the client if he's wrong, if she's wrong. And to me, that's it's one of our core values, which you can't see it behind me in this beautiful backdrop, but it's on the pillar that's on the other side of the room. But one of our core values as a company is integrity. And what I explain to people, our definition of integrity is not necessarily doing things the right way. Don't be a cheater, a liar, and a thief. That to me is table stakes. You should expect that from anyone. But integrity as in you're asking us what we think. We're going to give you our best advice, our best counsel, and we have to be willing to tell you if we think you're going down a dangerous road not to be a yes man for you and to embolden or empower you if we think that what you're about to do is going to make things worse. Because as you wisely pointed out, Chris, a time when you're in crisis, that's the worst time to be on the doing things on the fly because all it takes is a, a misstep and then you're in deeper crisis and it happens very quickly. Yeah, in fact, my friends that didn't listen and set themselves on fire to the next level, that's what people actually remember. Like I've met, I've met people five years later that are like, yeah, your friend set himself on fire the ne- the second the second round and, and went next level with it. And that's what they actually remember. They don't even remember the, they remember the first thing. But yeah, and, and then you're not thinking clearly through these things because you can't. When the internet turns against you and you wake up and I never had the internet turn against me. But there's sometimes where I posted something and I'll have five or 10 people angry with me. It's happened over 13 years of being on the internet uh, on Twitter and stuff. And uh, sometimes maybe I had a little too many vodkas back in the day and posted something. Maybe it was a little. Uh, hey, come on. Don't drink and post. It's don't drink a recipe post. for disaster. Or anything else for that matter. But no, I, and sometimes it was usually something that it, I thought it communicated well but it didn't and maybe some people interpreted it as something else or and i've gotten those five or two ten angry comments or you don't understand this or you don't understand what you're talking about and yeah you don't think you don't think straight through these things and um you need people but you and i just got done writing books you need those like those editors who look at your stuff and go no dude we, we're on the outside we can see what's going on and we can try and help you and guide you but yeah people really need this stuff because i've seen the ugliness of it between uh, me too and just all sorts of meltdowns multiple marketing companies always have some sort of crisis usually eventually it seems when the internet turns against you and the media and suddenly your name's up in bright lights in the new york times yeah you need to call people like yourself (laughs) yeah it's tough and like you said it happens fast mm -hmm. and unfortunately it's happening more than ever before in the history of i believe that right now is probably the most dangerous time to be a business owner or an executive at a company in the history of business Mm-hmm. Because of the speed at which the internet moves, the interconnectedness, the idea that what's posted there lasts forever. Mm-hmm. And we're coming off of a really stressful time where we've mm-hmm. got this almost perfect storm of elements 
that are making things really tough for businesses. You've got Me Too movement. You've got real discussions that are taking place at, a, at an escalated level related to racial inequality in this country. You've got all sorts of political tumult. You've got vaccinations. vaccinations, you name it. You've got athletes who are taking a stand. All, we're living in a hyper-political time and we're living mm. in a time where people default to outrage. Yeah. And wh what that means is they don't even have to be like you, Chris, sitting at home with one one or two or five vodkas too many before they post. <laughs> they may just get excited about something and say, you know what, I'm going to speak out about this. And the next thing they know, they make one post. Mm. All it takes is literally one tweet, one Instagram image, one comment on Facebook, and you can find yourself fighting for your proverbial life. And in fact, We've been helping a lot of people over the last year and a half who mm -hmm. literally have been fighting for their lives. They've had people based on comments that they made online, mm -hmm. threatening to hunt them down, to murder them in their beds, to kill their family members. Yeah. The level of outrage and discourse in this country has just reached a fever pitch, and mm -hmm. it's very dangerous. And it's dangerous for people, for brands. Big companies have in-house marketing people. They mm -hmm. have folks who can respond. They have a social media team. But to the average business owner who's out there or the average small company, and they're doing a lot of this themselves, mm -hmm. it is a very scary time. And being a crisis PR is very different than standard PR. But what are some of the applications or approaches that are very different, would you say? It's different. I would mm -hmm. describe it as it's PR on steroids. Mm. It's PR in a pressure cooker. Yeah. So in the course of normal business, if you're plotting along as a communications person or you're working in-house at a place, the pace tends to be more relaxed. You're thinking long-term about your strategy. You're executing against that strategy. You have time to try different things, to, to get adventuresome from time, to run things up the flagpole in terms of review and approvals and get people's input. In a time of crisis, you don't have those luxuries. You have to be willing to act with speed, but also skill. And the margin for error can be slim to none. And yeah. everything that you do during a crisis, you're under a microscope. So in, in normal day-to-day -day business, the biggest challenge that companies have is that no one's listening. No one cares what they're selling. No one cares about your stupid story. No one cares about your industry. You're trying to break through a cluttered universe of everyone who's saying, I've got something to say. I've got something to say. The inverse happens with a crisis. Everyone's paying attention. They're hanging on every word, and they're ready to hang you if you utter the wrong word. So it is a completely different animal, and that's why a lot of times companies don't know to whom they should turn. Mm -hmm. in a time of crisis. And one of the things that's most important is actually identifying ahead of time who is the crisis firm that we might want to work with if and when <laughs> we need them. You want to be vetting these people and you want to be checking them out. It's you, you need to have your lawyer on speed dial in case you need him or you need her. The time to be interviewing lawyers is not when you've already been arrested and you got your one phone call from jail and you're trying <laughs> to figure out who's going to help you. You need to have a plan in advance, and, and crisis PR is very similar. So the, the time to actually create 
a crisis plan and to engage a crisis firm is before you even have a crisis. That's yeah. part of how you ensure that you're not going to end up canceled. Yeah, put Evan's uh, business card on your fridge like you have the the clinic emergency <laughs> number. Put that one up there, too. Uh, one of the famous stories I remember, and the, and the problem with this is usually by the time you realize that you're in deep doo-doo, it's been eight, ten hours, it's run deep, and then your friends start calling you and going, hey, did you know that uh, you're really popular right now? You're trending? And you're like, I'm trending? Is it that really cool post I, of my puppy that I posted? <laughs> No, like it's not, it's the opposite of that. And I remember that, what was that famous story of that young lady who worked for actually a PR agency and she gets on a plane to go to South Africa and she says right. a bunch of racist stuff. And then she's in the air, blacked out, and people are just going after her. And then it becomes a, almost a meme or a viral meme where people are like, wait, wait till she lands. And right. uh, sure enough, she lands and, and she, then she makes it worse, I think, if I remember correctly. Why did you write the book Crisis Averted? And, and tell us a little bit about the book, please. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I wrote the book. It's, it's similar to the advice you just gave is good one about having our forget my business card. Just remember the name Red Banyan and know that if and when you need us, you can reach out to us. And we make it very easy on our social media and also on our website for you to get in touch with us. And things happen so quickly, it's not uncommon for us to get a phone call at 11. And then at 11.15, we've signed a contract. And by 11.30, our team is already working with the executives and we're getting after it. So that's how quickly things happen. The reason I wrote the book, frankly, is because people don't know what they need to be doing now in order to prepare. And they don't know what to do if they find themselves under fire. And so what I wanted to do with this book was to create some best practices to capture them based on my years of experience doing this work. And you can learn from the missteps of many of our clients. You can also learn from many of our clients who have done the right thing in a time of crisis. And they've acted with speed and they've done it smartly and they've been able to actually flip it and turn a crisis into an opportunity. And so the, the book contains, I'm not a big fan of an academic approach to crisis PR. I frankly, I've been at a number of conferences where people are getting up and they're talking through, looking historically at different crisis scenarios and assessing them from a clinical perspective. And based on this, you know, communications, accommodation theory, this is not that kind of book. So if you want that, not to disparage or speak ill of the academics out there, because there is certainly a lot to be learned from them. This is a real world guide. This is based on actual events. Every single scenario that's explored in the book is the truth. I'm not able to give all the names of the companies and the individuals for obvious reason. They were in crisis. They don't want to be in crisis again, and they don't really want to let people know that this happened, because in most cases, we've been able to help them move past it. And it's almost an afterthought at this point. But mm. I thought it was really important. People don't understand how the press works. They don't understand how stories are made. And they don't understand how reputations are created over years and destroyed in seconds. And so what I've done with Crisis Averted is really try to empower people because there are a lot of good people out there and good businesses 
who are treated unfairly or they're being their reputation is being smeared they're being attacked they've got disgruntled former employees who are making their lives hell and so i provide a lot of very specific actionable advice how to avoid a crisis in the first place and then what to do if unfortunately you do find yourself in a tough situation and what i will say is this it is not a matter of if it is when Every wow. individual and every business in every single industry at some point is going to face a challenge. Yeah. How you prepare for it can make the difference, whether it's a blip and it's a nothing and you move right past it, or if it comes to define you and ultimately takes you down. And that's the sad part about it is if you don't do it right, a lot of people, that's what they remember you by. No one, I, I always remember United to this day. I mean, I think this is 15 years old now or 10 years old or something. To this day, I still remember the guitar in United of United Airlines crushing the dude's guitar and he made a song about it, about how they didn't care. Like to this day, if you say United Airlines, I remember that story. I equate that story with that thing. So it's really important. What impact has cancel culture had on the business and how has media really changed in recent years to amplify that? Yeah, cancel culture is part of what I was describing in this perfect storm that makes business in America right now so <laughs> dangerous. Cancel culture, I know that there have been folks on the right who have tried to blame the left for creating cancel culture or promoting cancel culture. But what I can tell you as, a, as the leader of a bipartisan firm, a nonpartisan firm that works both with Democrats and Republicans, works with organizations right of center, left of center, is cancel culture is universal. And yeah. folks are doing it on the right and they're doing it on the left. Neither party and neither political philosophy has has the right to say that the other is doing cancel culture because cancel culture is something that it's happening on both sides of the aisle and the impact of cancel culture is it's <laughs> frankly it's nine times out of ten it's wrong mm -hmm. there are instances again i think this is one of those cases where sometimes the cure is worse than what ailed you in the first place and so I, I do believe that there are people out there who, for legitimate reasons, went after organizations that had done really bad things or people and outed them for bad behavior. And that does happen sometimes. So what we would call cancel culture now has actually been going on a very long time, I would argue. There have been people who've been leaking stories in the press about their competitors. There have been people who have calling for boycotts. <laughs> people who are holding demonstrations, it isn't a rally against a company, cancel culture, isn't a press conference to expose bad behavior and to target another company, isn't that cancel culture? I would say yes. Yeah. The difference today mm -hmm. is cancel culture is on rocket fuel thanks to the power and pervasiveness of the internet. So yeah. the stories move faster and you've got a bigger audience than you could ever have before. And things can are just accelerated by this interconnected nature of the world in which we live. Mm -hmm. But cancel culture, unfortunately, we've seen the number of cases coming into us just really skyrocketing over the last mm -hmm. 18 months. It, it really has transformed um, our business because we now have members of our team who specialize in cancel culture wow. and guide public people and influencers and brands in what to do when they're targeted. And unfortunately, like I said, there are instances 
where bad folks are exposed and people who were powerless in the past, maybe had no good avenue in which to tell their story, can use the power of the press and the internet to get that out. But unfortunately, what's happening so much of the time is you have someone who has an ax to grind and they're upset because they got let go by the company or they were a contractor and their contract was terminated or it ran its course and the, and the company decided not to renew. So what do they do? They go online and they accuse the business of all these dastardly deeds and they say that they've done X or they've done Y and they're a bad company. They've got a toxic workplace. They are racists. You name it, that they're intolerant towards LGBTQ community. There's any number of, of ways that they can go with it, but it, it becomes very dangerous. So this is what we're talking about. You can have one employee who's disgruntled. He writes a blog post on a slow news day and suddenly your, your corporation's on fire. I've got a couple questions that are coming in if you want to take a couple of them. Is this a service yeah. that small business owners use and can afford or are you targeted towards larger companies? Yeah, it's a great question. So m most of our clients are what I would describe as small or medium businesses. While we have worked with a number of larger companies, really our sweet spot is not representing Fortune 500 companies. It's more small and medium-sized businesses. And unlike a lot of other firms, we actually work with private individuals. So there are opportunities to work with our firm for smaller businesses. One of the things that we've created in recent months in order to make some of our services accessible, because let's face it, not everybody can pay for ongoing counsel at you know a high hourly rate if they're a smaller business. But what we've done is we've created actually a series of ways that people can retain us to create crisis plans for them. So rather than keeping us on standby or utilizing us day to day, they can actually, I'm just making these numbers up here, but rather than paying $10,000 over the course of $10,000 a month, $20,000 a month for three months, they can pay $10,000 once and get a crisis communications plan that they can use to prevent crises and that will get them 80 or 90% of the way there should they have an issue. And then they can utilize that for the whole year. And then periodically, you need to update your crisis plan the same way that you need to update the batteries in your smoke detector, et cetera. But creating these plans is something that we were reacting to the marketplace. We had a number of, of private individuals or small companies that said, listen, I, I can't afford your services, but we know we need what you offer. Is there a way that you can work with us or maybe build a plan for us? And so we've seen the need growing in that arena. And so it's something new that we're offering. So that is an opportunity for smaller businesses or private individuals to work with Red Banyan. That's awesome. Thanks, Matthew, for that question. And that kind of leads us into my next question. You were talking about having people have a, a crisis plan, something set up so they're just not scrambling. What can people do to protect their businesses? Yeah, so there's a lot of steps that you can take ahead of time so that you're prepared if and when the levee breaks and the floodwaters are coming. You can decide in advance who comprises your crisis PR team. Who are the individuals? Do you need someone from marketing? Do you need the CEO sitting on that? Do you need in-house legal counsel or do you need external counsel? 
You can also prepare a process by which you funnel media requests quickly to the right people. You can determine who is the right person. Do we have anyone who should really be talking to a reporter in the case of a crisis? Or should we be utilizing our our crisis PR firm or our crisis PR consultant as our spokesperson? And we can help you determine what are the pluses and the minuses of going that route. You can hear some misconception that people have about crisis, which is really interesting. Most people think a crisis comes out of nowhere. It's like a bolt of lightning. You're just sailing along, everything's fine, and then boom, something happens and all of a sudden you're in serious trouble. That's usually not the case. There's either practices that are going on at a business that you can predict eventually this is going to catch up to you, or you've got cultural problems at, a, at an institution, or based on the industry, what kind of crisis they are likely to face. So if you're a pet care facility and you can predict with a high level what kind of crisis you're going to have. So a crisis communications firm like ours would come in and say, okay, so Chris, I'm, I'm, congratulations, by the way, on your new pet grooming facility. I, I think it's great. Here are the types of things that you want to be on guard against because this is these are the things that are most likely to happen. You're going to hurt a dog or God forbid you're going to kill somebody's dog. What then? What if the chemicals are used in your shampoo blind, the dog suffers an injury? Is there a possibility that you're going to face a negative review from some dog owner who believes or ascribes uh, something with their pet to you? They are going to blame you for it. If they, and it, it, by the way, it may have nothing to do with you, but yeah. it's human nature. We look for someone to blame. It's, uh, <laughs> there's a high likelihood that someone's not going to like the haircut that you guys gave to their dog and they're going to go on and they are going to rip you online. They're going to write a terrible review. They're going to tell everybody, their friends and their mom's friends, don't go to them. They made my dog look terrible. Look at this picture of my dog. Uh, doesn't she look terrible? I can't believe, you know, these guys claim to be able to groom. I could have done better myself, stay away. And then they're going to try to, uh, Encourage people not to patronize your business. Those are the types of things you can expect. Is it possible also that you need to safeguard against a active shooter scenario or a data breach? Possible, but not as likely as some of the other scenarios that I was pointing out to you. So part of the value of engaging a crisis communications firm is, is we, we go in and we, we're able to look at the specific industry you're in and help give you an idea. We obviously can't know every single thing that could ever go wrong. You could be running your uh, pet grooming business, Chris, and the, the building has termite damage and the roof collapses and a beam falls down and it, it injures one of your, your workers. Yeah. Possible? Sure. We can't account for that scenario, but we can help you put a point on or, or shine a light on what you're most likely to face and then give you an idea of how you can and should deal with it before you're in the middle of dealing with it. And I agree. Having someone come in and look around your business and stuff, fortunately, I've had a lot of friends that were attorneys and we, we had our share of shakedown lawsuits when we got rich and, and successful corporations. We get the, the shakedown lawsuits just come. It's just crazy. And uh, employees sue you over every disgruntled thing. Sometimes you're suing them or stuff they stole or did at your corporation, bezel funds, et cetera, et cetera. And then 
And then it's just crazy, the stuff that can happen to you. And I've learned to look at businesses like an attorney. So anytime with my corporation or I walk into somebody else's company, I'm just like looking at everything that you can get sued by. I'm like, yeah, that's that's going to fall on someone's head. I'm always yeah, it's the guy. unfortunate. Like you said, the lawsuits are inevitable. And yeah. unfortunately, legal, legal and incurring legal expenses has just become a cost of doing business in America right now. And it stinks, but it's inevitable. And every business is going to have to deal with a legal issue at some point. Yeah. Like I'm always looking at something like someone's going to trip over that cable. That should be fixed. The same with your business where you need to look around and go, what are the things? Like one of the, and I'm not political because I actually like the way Governor Cuomo handled the, of New York handled the coronavirus. I'm not on either side with him, but watching like, I've been watching that whole PR thing play out with him. And I'm like, wait, after Me Too, you're still kissing and hugging people? Like, I would have stopped that. Like, I'm just really surprised. He seems he, he seems like a really smart guy, especially the way he handled the coronavirus and the PR for it. People were like, hey, he's going all the way to the White House. But seeing the – and here's a guy who I, – I understand what he's going through because here's a guy who's old world – He's coming out of a marriage. He's becoming single again. I know what that's like for guys, especially from an old world aspect. He should have been put like someone on a stash has been like, we need to put you in some extra, uh, what do they call those things? The inclusivity trainings or the sexual harassment trainings. Mm -hmm. Like you just came out of a marriage and you're you're a little raw because most people are when they come out of uh, divorce. And uh, there's some new rules about, you know, and no touching, stay away, far away. And uh, and I'm just really surprised. I'm just really, dude, you should know. He's even kissing guys on the cheek. And I, I get the whole Italian thing, and I love Italians. And I and is the mayor of New York, and New York's kind of a little different. But I'm like, dude, after me too, you, you cannot get near me to kiss me. I won't even let dates kiss me without signing some sort of disclose. Just, nah, no, just kidding. But it's really surprising to me. It's like well, someone should have sat down and just did Just so you know, I... I... <laughs> You're right. And there's actually a lot to unpack as relates to Cuomo and his damage control. In fact, over the last few days, I've had a lot of discussions (laughs) with both friends and colleagues and and also members of the media who have been taking a hard look at what his reaction was and looking at, did Cuomo do his own crisis PR? (laughs) Did someone actually advise him to do those things? I actually had a reporter say, do you think someone got paid to tell him he should put up a bunch of pictures of him kissing all these people? And I I honestly don't know the answer as to whether or not he paid for that advice or if he just decided he thought it was a good idea. And hey, if I kiss everybody that I'm a sexual harasser. Yeah, if I show that I'm a serial kisser, a serial hugger. Thereby, they're going to conclude, yeah, he probably hugged and kissed people, but he does that to everyone. Therefore, it's not a big deal. I don't think it was an advisable tactic. Personally, it's not what I would have recommended. I think, Mm -hmm. look, let let me start with the good. He did some good things. And and this is not – I'm not getting into the whole discussion of is Cuomo a good governor? Is he a bad governor? Is he on the good side of the ledger that he handled coronavirus very well and he became this sex symbol in America because the women were swooning over him and men too, I should point out, over his handling of the briefings during coronavirus versus the other side saying he actually, there's a whole scandal related to the nursing homes. So 
I'm not wading into that one at all. I'm only going to look at what he did once he found himself under fire from a PR perspective. And he released a long video that he shared over Twitter. I watched it. Which was basically him hours after the attorney general in New York had said, we've found there was a toxic workplace, that it was systematic, that it was a pattern of behavior. It wasn't a one-off, that he was a sexual harasser. And what did he do? He released this video. (laughs) And I'll start with the positive. The good things, he did have a line in there where he was very definitive. I never inappropriately touched or kissed anyone. I never sexually harassed anybody inappropriately. So it, it was an ironclad denial, which was very clear. Now, whether or not that's true, you can ask some questions. I think his overall demeanor in the video was what I would have advised from a PR perspective. Mm. He was measured. He was professional. He seemed very calm. He was collected. He did not come unglued. He wasn't unhinged. He wasn't lashing out at the press. Those were all the positive things. The other thing that was positive, and I think this was actually quite clever, was he pre-recorded his own statement. So in years past, in a different era where it wasn't so easy to do to turn a camera on, record it, and then upload it minutes later, he would have had to call a press conference. And then that would have been a whole different ball of wax because he would have gone to a press conference. He would have walked out to the podium. He would have given his statement, and then the reporters would have jumped all over him and asked him tough questions. And then he would have either had to field the questions where he's going to look bad, or he's going to have to walk off the stage, which also looks bad because he's there by avoiding the questions and the tough questions looks like you're running away. So from the, on the good side of the ledger, his, his overall presentation was quite good, but honestly, you'd expect that from a politician and someone who's very high in a high profile has spent their life professionally in the public eye as the governor of New York, you expect him to, to present okay. On the negative side, I think he, he did and said a few things that were not advisable. How's that for a, a gentle, very diplomatic way yeah. of framing it? I think his spending time, one, he spoke about one of his accusers by name. Yeah. which I think a lot of people took offense to and didn't think was right. And that could trigger her. It just puts her back in in the spotlight. But the truth be told, she was already in the spotlight. And she herself went on Good Morning America to after his apology video to say his his statement means nothing. So she's already out there. But the way that he described the interactions with her, that – he was talking to her about her dating life and asking her if she was dating men and, and whatnot because he'd had a family member who went through sexual trauma and knows how hard it is to get back on the horse. And therefore, he was trying to help this young lady. That doesn't really pass the smell test. Yeah, I agree. And I think it really offended a lot of people. I also think that what was not advisable was the uh, the montage of <laughs> hugging and kissing <laughs> Not just himself doing it, but then also like posting pictures of other politicians hugging and kissing people because I think the average American draws a distinction between accusations that someone stuck his hand down a woman's blouse and groped her breast versus President George W. Bush giving a comforting hug to someone who lost their home in Hurricane Katrina. Those two things are not equal, and one hug – 
doesn't necessarily uh, provide a counterbalance to the kind of behaviors that he was accused of. So I, I think that was also not advisable. And, and last but not least, I'll just I'll just give you the top three here was he made a comment, of, he went on this aside where he was talking about women in the workplace and a double standard of women who are tough as managers, yeah, get judged weird. differently and called names, whereas if a man is a tough manager, he's a good leader and he's decisive. Okay, if you've just been accused of maintaining a toxic environment where women are not treated, not just not treated equally, but they're actually being sexually harassed, you have really... <laughs> given up the opportunity to position yourself as a, a chief advocate for fair and, and equal treatment of women in the workplace. And I just think that really didn't sit well with not just women, but other observers as well. So that's my hot take on Cuomo for you since you went yeah. there. Yeah, I, I analyze this stuff. That's why I watch it all because I, I like to watch. I'm not in the PR business, but I'm in marketing. But I like to watch the spin or I, I'm like, okay. And it's the chess game that I like to see. Okay, where are they going with this? What are they trying to do? Is this going to work? Is this not going to work? I like to collect what works and what doesn't work and avoid the don't work stuff. So that's important why people should hire your firm. But yeah, the collage thing, I just went... Yeah, that's not right. That's like basically saying, that's like being Phil Spector or Bill Cosby. And you're like, I gave drinks to every girl. I don't mean to make light of, of oh, any that's of a good, that. That's a good point. It would but be yeah. like, if Bill, to, to run with your analogy, it would be like if uh, Bill Cosby, when he was accused of uh, drugging women, he would have like people talking about medication and being like, Yes, I, no, I was, use this medication. Or yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to, I was trying to help them. Everybody's using drugs. Yeah. Everyone's using drugs. It's the thing nowadays. I was Kinda trying was to help. Thing. He could have, I would say an unsavory or an unethical PR person probably could have advised Cosby to go down that road. He could have been like, well, yeah, I thought she, I sensed that she was unhappy. I wanted her to forget about her, the things that were causing her stress. So I gave her roofies to help her forget the pain. I don't think a, a, a highly credible or a, uh, respectable communications professional would do something like that in all seriousness. And I think it was not advisable for Cuomo to go down that road. I, I think it ended up, we've gone for full circle now. You, one of the earliest points that you made was when you're under fire or you're in a crisis, it's the missteps that sometimes get remembered even more. Mark my words, what people are going to remember after Cuomo eventually is forced to resign, which I think is probably yeah, going to happen is what when we talk about Cuomo a year from now, it's going to be, oh, yeah, he was accused of sexual harassment, and then he came out with his hug of defense. <laughs> That's what we're going to be talking about. The hug of defense. And I don't, la I don't laugh to me. I'm Italian. Well, to make light of it. I it's say just... ciao, Bella. I... Yeah. I touch people and That's kiss them. That's what we're going to remember. And, and the thing is, too, like at one point in it, he says, and we'll get off this, but at one point he says in it, I take responsibility for what I did or I, I acknowledge I screwed up. And you're like, wait, did you do it or not? Like you've been all, there's 50 things in there. It's all over the place. And maybe it was meant to be like a shotgun approach and just bury it. But yeah, there's, there are parts of it. That I take responsibility. I made mistakes at the same time. <laughs> 
I say ciao bella. I'm Italian. We kiss. We touch. Hey. I, it's, a, it's a symbol of warmth. <laughs> you can't have it both ways. I, uh, it he should have my... used a picture of uh, the Godfather touch, touching one of his uh, kids, too. Yeah. You know, And played the music. Da, 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 da. Anyway, in the 90s, in the late 90s, I was writing up my sales officers for, for uh, touching employees. I remember one came up, and I think it was similar to what Como was accused of rubbing the ribs or putting the arm around the stomach of a woman just being a little too woo in there and that was in the 90s and so that's why it really surprised me i'm like seriously dude i knew not to do this in the 90s man it's been like what, 20 years or 30 years Good moving point. on evan really insightful to have you on the show give us your plugs so that people can find you on the interwebs yeah look i wrote the book to help people those who think that what we're talking about is interesting or has application to their lives i encourage you to pick up a a copy of the book, you can go to evanierman.com, you can go to Amazon, wherever books are sold, you can find Crisis Averted. And the other thing I would say is we give away a lot of free advice on our website because not everybody is going to be, while everybody in the world can benefit from some of the messages that we're putting out there and the tips and tricks that, that, that we're putting out into the world, we're giving away a lot of it for free. So Check out our, our website, redbanion.com. Check out our social media. Follow us. And I have no doubt that you'll find things of value that you can use in your own life and in your business to really help you along. At the end of the day, I say in the book, if this book, writing this book prevents one good person or one good company from making it worse and helps them preserve their reputation and protect their business, it's worth the effort. And I really believe that and feel that. And so for me, it, it was a lot of work to do the book, but if I'm able to help good people and they're able to benefit and they're able to push back against people who are falsely accusing them and they're able to defend themselves and press the truth as opposed to letting others define them, then I feel good about the work that I've done here. That's definitely important. Thanks, Evan, for coming on the show and sharing all the wonderful knowledge. Great discussion on the Kumo thing. That was really interesting and topical. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for having me. And and in case you haven't noticed, I'm passionate about this topic and communication. <laughs> so I'm I feel really fortunate because what I'm most interested in is also my livelihood. And so for me, I learned from my grandfather who was a stockbroker and was in the market for 60 plus years and was basically working up until a few months before he got really sick and passed away. And, and the lesson I learned from my grandfather was you know, he always encouraged my brothers and my cousins and me, find your passion. And if you work in something that you care about and you find that passion, you enjoy every day. It doesn't feel like drudgery. It doesn't feel like a job. And so I would just, to everyone who's out there, this is not crisis PR related. It's just life related. If there's something that you, that inspires you and gets you excited and it's really where you love spending your time and it elevates you as a person, take the time to find out what that is and explore it and give it a shot because life is way too short to have a, a job or a lifestyle that sucks. That's very true. That's very true. Those are wise words, my friend. So thank you for being on the show, Evan. Thanks to my audience for tuning in. Be sure to pick up the book, Crisis Averted, PR Strategies to Protect Your Reputation 
And the bottom line, this is really important. In fact, I just noticed on his, on the Amazon page, it says to spot the inevitable threats that could bankrupt your business. So think about that. You don't want to end up in bankruptcy. Go to goodreads.com for just Chris Voss. He were reading and reviewing over there. Go to all of our groups on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of those places those kids are at, those crazy kids. Go to youtube.com for just Chris Voss. Hit the bell notification. We love you. Be good to each other. And we'll see you guys next time.